the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will hardly die for a righteous man. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Welcome to Life Talk with Dr. Jeff Wickwire, author and founding senior pastor of the exciting Turning Point Church in Fort Worth, Texas. Pastor Jeff is known for his heartfelt and practical proclamation of the scriptures. We are so glad you joined us today. So stay tuned as Pastor Jeff teaches, encourages, and challenges you from the Word of God. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Life Talk. I'm Jeff Wickwire, and thank you for joining us for this edition. Now, we're starting a brand new series today I'm calling Tag a Friend. You know, one of the things that stands out about Jesus as you read through the gospel accounts of his life is the powerful way he related with people. Jesus wasn't just a speak-to-the-crowds kind of guy. He also dramatically changed people's lives by talking to them one-on-one. And that's what this series is all about. Jesus was the friend of sinners. He regularly stopped what he was doing in order to reach people where they hurt and right where they were. So let's begin our series with a look at a man who Jesus reached out to that had lived a life of helplessness, hopelessness, and frustration. And he was the man at the pool. Let's go right to the message and see what happened. Jesus talks to people. Now, there's probably a psychiatrist or two out there that would say that's psychosis. No, it's not psychosis at all. God is real and God still talks. I found this interesting. A new Barna survey finds that a majority of Americans believe Jesus speaks to them in some form or another. Now, I said a majority of Americans believe that Jesus speaks to them. In one form or another, 52% of Americans said Jesus speaks to them by influencing or connecting directly with their mind, their emotions, or their feelings. Think about that. 52, one of two, believe that Jesus speaks personally to them. Slightly more than two in five people said Jesus communicates with them through the Bible passage that they read or that is read to them. And more than one-third of the population of America said Jesus communicates to them through signs. Now, these signs included sermons or teachings that addressed their immediate situation. They said Jesus himself spoke to me through that. Miraculous circumstances. They said something happens. And Jesus spoke to me through this event, this miracle. He spoke to me or undeniable answers to prayer, and through words spoken to them by somebody else when the somebody else didn't even know that they were being used by Jesus to speak to them. Now, this being true, you can agree with me that Jesus is doing a whole lot of talking. Jesus is talking to a lot of people. I've read stories where Muslims who cannot receive Christian witnesses, they're in nations where Christian witnesses can't get to them, are having Jesus appear to them and speak to them personally. And tell them that he's the Savior. So Jesus is speaking. It doesn't surprise me at all. Because 
Jesus is the same, says Hebrews 13, verse 8. He's the same yesterday, he's the same today, and he's the same forever. So if he spoke to people back then, talked to them, stopped them, confronted them, ministered to them, then he's the same today. And he's always going to be that way forever. Now, throughout his ministry, I love reading the Gospels, where you see Jesus encountering various kinds of people. Large number of different people were approached by Jesus or approached Jesus, and he entered conversation with them. Men, women, boys, girls, down and outers, what I like to call up and outers. They seemingly successful, but they're down on the inside. The sick, the successful, religious and non-religious, desperate people and people that were comfortable with life spoke to him and he spoke to them. Deeply flawed people and those that seemed to have it all together, like Zacchaeus, the tax collector. He spoke with people living on the sharp edge of despair and those that were simply curious as to who he was, like Zacchaeus, climbed the tree because he was a short man and he had heard so much about Jesus, he was curious, so he got up in this tree to see him. And Jesus knew who was looking for him, spotted him, and said, come down, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house today. And he went to Zacchaeus' house and it was never the same. Zacchaeus is one of the ones I'm going to talk about in the next few weeks. Now, here I notice as well that his encounters with people in the New Testament were generally brief but powerful. Let me tell you something, church. One word from Jesus will change your life. One word. One carefully spoken, of course, and they all are. One word spoken into your pain, spoken into your dilemma can change your life. So he was not really a very wordy person unless he was teaching some incredible teaching like the Sermon on the Mount. But here's what I noticed. Though it was brief, it was powerful, and his encounters with these people are packed with truth and meaning for us today. Um, None of these people, and I mean none of them, left the same when they encountered Jesus. I get a kick out of it. I think God has a sense of humor, but I noticed that some of them, when, when Jesus walked away, they were in a state of semi-shock, speechless, because of something he said or something he did. Jesus was arresting. Jesus was magnetic. He was not handsome. The Bible says there is no beauty about him that we would desire him, but he was instantly attractive and magnetic because of the anointing, the persona the grace, the power of his words and the way he moved among people. When you met him, he looked at you and read your mail, though he never knew you. Jesus was so easy to love, unless you love sin, and then he wasn't. But when he met people, they left amazed, stunned, changed. They left convinced of his sonship. More times than not, they left either healed of sickness, delivered of torment, or he lifted their spirits out of hopeless despair. The Bible says he went about everywhere doing only good, healing everybody who was oppressed of the devil. I'll tell you, there is a great solution for depression. His name is Jesus. There is a great answer for the blues. His name is Jesus. There is a clearer up of all of your confusion. His name is Jesus. 
I didn't come today to be religious. I came to tell you about a man, the man, Jesus Christ. He's the answer for our country. He's the answer for our world. He's your answer and he's my answer. And he's the answer for a lost and dying culture. Now we're going to look at some of the encounters he had with these various people as a faith builder. Because I want our faith built that if he changed these people, he can change the people you know, that you've prayed for, that are around you, who you love, who you have been brought into contact with by God. They're in your sphere of relationships and they need to be saved. And so I want to share these stories with you to build your faith that God can change anybody. God can save anybody. There is no case too hard for God. Look at you. Amen. Here you are in church on a Sunday morning when the cowboys kick at noon. And rather than sitting there in front of that idol that all of your living room furniture is turned towards and watching people chase leather down a field, you're in church praising God. What happened to you? <laughs> so let's begin by looking at this man at the pool. This man at the pool... And he intrigues me. Let me give you the setting of the story real quickly. Jesus was on his way to a festival in Jerusalem. He was on his way to a celebration, probably either the day of Passover or the uh, day of atonement. Passover feast or day of atonement. So he was on his way to a celebration. And as he entered the city of Jerusalem, he took an unannounced, unexpected detour to what was called the Pool of Bethesda. Now, Bethesda means the house of mercy. So here he is going to a celebration, and in his sovereignty, in his sovereign will, he just took a detour, and he walked up to this pool. But I want to tell you, though, it was called House of Mercy. What he saw was anything but merciful. First thing he saw was a crowd. The Bible says, listen to this, how it describes them, crowds of sick people, blind, lame, or paralyzed lay on the porches. So you see, you get this view. What he walked into was more like walking into the critical care unit of a hospital rather than a peaceful pool. People are just languishing with no more hope. Doctors haven't been able to help them. They are in their last step before death. They've paid money to be healed. Physicians have given up. They have now turned to the miraculous. There's nothing else but to believe that something is going to happen to them at this pool. So Jesus encountered, I'm talking industrial strength, desperation, hopelessness, pain, and death filled the air. He chose to go there rather than to a celebration. Now, since I don't believe that Jesus did anything by accident and never does, I believe that it was intended by God who knew we were going to have this story, who knew we were going to read this, that there would be an application for us today, that there would be a, a meaning for us today beyond the fact that Jesus finally heals a man there. But there is a picture here, there is a snapshot that I walk away with when I read this story. So here's what I see. The crowd that greeted Jesus was, spiritually speaking, a perfect picture of lost humanity, a portrait of the people that surround us today in homes right now who are not in church, who don't know God, this slice of humanity around this pool 
lame, blind, crippled, and paralyzed is exactly the way people are spiritually in the United States of America who don't know God. We need to know that today. You know, there was a famous book that came out years ago. It was called, I'm okay, you're okay. But you know what? I'm okay, you're okay was not okay because we're not okay. We're not okay. We're not okay without God. Can I tell you, America is not okay. A big slot, most of America is not okay. Do you know what America's problem is? America's problem is not essentially, not at its root. It's not politicians. It's not a drug problem or a pornography problem or any of these other things. The problem with America is its departure from God. That's the problem with America. Because when you depart from God, you end up, you are just like these people that surrounded this pool, lame, blind, crippled, paralyzed. I'm not okay. You're not okay if I don't have God and you don't. We're not okay at all. As a matter of fact, the Bible says without apology. Can I tell you what the Bible says about mankind without God? The Bible says without apology that the human race is lost, L-O-S-T, lost, all caps, lost. Jesus said of himself, he said, The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. I find it interesting that he went past tense. He didn't say that is lost. I came to save what is lost, but was lost. He was referring back to the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve partook of the fruit, the forbidden fruit, and they sinned against God and broke his word and fell. And from that moment forward, their sin was superimposed on the entire human race, and we were lost when they were lost. So Jesus said, I came to seek and to save that which was lost then and remains lost now. The word lost is so much more than somebody who can't find their way. We've all been lost, lost in the woods, something like that. Terrible feeling, but it's far more than that. The word lost, the Greek word it's translated from, means to be ruined, to be destroyed by wandering away from God. It means your soul has been completely ruined, utterly destroyed. I'm not okay, you're not okay. When you're apart from God, you're not okay. Actually, you're in the process of ruination and destruction. According to Jesus Christ, I came to seek and to save that which was ruined, that which was destroyed by wandering from God. We don't hear this much anymore, and shame on the fact that we don't. Because how are you ever going to get better if you don't know what's wrong? The Bible's very clear about this. Listen to Isaiah. All we like sheep have gone astray. All. We've turned every one to his own way. What's the matter with mankind? Why the wars? Why the rape? Why the pillage? Why the drugs? Why all the destruction? Why everything we see that breaks our heart in this culture? It is because everyone has turned their own way. Like sheep, we've wandered away from God. And not one person is exempted. Not one person is an exception. Not one. The Bible also testifies that just like these poor people languishing at that pool, we can't help or save ourselves. The Bible says that only one made it down to the water when the water is stirred. The rest of them couldn't make it. The rest of them remained sick. 
We can't help or save ourselves just like they can't, couldn't. Before a person knows Christ, the Bible says he lives in this world without God and without hope, Ephesians 2.12. Without God and without hope. The Bible goes a step further and says, and you know, I never saw this until re- I've been preaching 40 years. And I have never seen it like I saw this this week. This hit me and I've never caught it. Catch this now. The Bible tells us that we don't even have the capacity to seek God apart from his help. Jesus said, no man comes to the Father except the Spirit draws him. So unless the Spirit draws you, when you hear the preaching of the Word, when you hear the testimony of Jesus Christ, and the Spirit draws you, if he doesn't draw you, if he doesn't convict you, you will never realize your state. Romans 3, verse 10, listen to this. No one is righteous. No, not even one. No one is truly wise. No one is seeking God. No one. But Pastor Jeff, I know people who are seeking God. Not that God. There's people seeking idols. There's people seeking the God of their own choice. The God that they choose. The God that they want. But the Bible is telling us that Fallen man will never seek the true holy God unless the Holy Spirit pricks him, calls him, allures him, draws him. So when you feel that drawing, friend, you better run to Jesus. So just like the crippled, blind, and paralyzed surrounding the pool of Bethesda, we also are spiritually crippled, unable to walk the path that God has called us to walk. We're blind and that we cannot see the truth without God's help. And we're paralyzed and that we can't save ourselves. Folks, I couldn't save myself and you can't save yourself. Salvation is all of him and none of us. By grace, you were saved through faith and that not of yourselves, lest any man should boast, but it is a gift of God. Salvation is all of him and none of us. None of us. So I say again, when you feel that drawing and that calling on the part of God calling you to Jesus Christ, run to him. Because you may not ever be drawn like that again. The Bible is very clear about our helpless condition with respect to saving ourselves. Listen to this. While we were still without strength, helpless, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will hardly die for a righteous man. Though perhaps for the good man somebody would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Wow. You might die for a good man. You might die for a righteous man. Probably nobody in here would do even that. I wish I could say I would, but I would chicken out. I might do it for one of my children, Kathy, but it stops there. And even then you'd have to anesthetize me. (laughs) but Jesus stretched out his hands and feet and died for you and me when we were spitting in his face. That's love. Say with me, Jesus, thank you. Dying for me when I was helpless. (laughs) Amen. Isn't that good? That's worth coming to church for right there. Now, everything I just told you about somebody lost, not okay, 
It applies to anybody who doesn't know Jesus Christ personally. Your neighbors, your coworkers, your family, friends, loved ones, all of them. They're all helpless, can't save themselves unless God the Holy Spirit touches them and they are drawn when they hear the gospel. And that's going to happen on 11.9. Now, the next thing we see in our story, first you've got Jesus coming on the scene. First thing you've got is that crowd that Jesus sees, but then you've got a pool. Now, when I read this story, I've got to tell you, for me, the pool of Bethesda is not a place of hope. The pool of Bethesda is a picture of false hope. When I read about this pool, I see a place of false hope. Listen to the way it's described. It says all the sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waited for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Don't you know when that water stirred, there was a race. Now I want you to picture something with me. Again, that looks to me like a pool of false hope. Hundreds were gathered at this pool. They all sat there waiting with bated breath for the waters to suddenly be stirred by an angel. Can you imagine this? Now we're not told how often the waters are stirred. Once a day, once a month, once a year. We don't know. We're not told. But we do know that when that water is stirred and it says by an angel that there was a race for that water and the first person that touched that water was healed. You know, you can be sure of one thing that every eye was peeled on that pool all day long. When they went to sleep, they went to sleep with one eye open. When they talked to somebody, they didn't look at them. They were staring at that pool. Because if I see that water stir and I make it down to that pool, I'm healed. If I'm the first one to touch it, I'm healed. But folks, can you imagine living this kind of life? That's no life. This was not a great situation. This was not something you would want. Can you imagine living with the endless tension, the inability to lean back and rest with your eyes closed, lest you miss the moving of the water? Can you imagine living that way? And on top of that, only one person got healed while the rest experienced frustration and dashed hope over and over and over and over again. And, you know, this occurred to me. The one that did get healed was the one who needed it least because he was healthy enough to get to the water first. So the terminal, the paralyzed, the truly needy couldn't make it. They couldn't get down there. They had to watch the healthiest among them run and get healed of whatever it was and then jump and leap and have the greatest day of their life while they themselves sat there with deferred hope, which makes the heart sick. Well, that's it for this time. I hope you enjoyed the message and don't miss tomorrow's continuation of the story of the man at the pool. I believe it'll encourage you. Now stay tuned for some very important messages. The Man at the Pool is the first message of Pastor Jeff's new series, Tag a Friend. You can own a copy of this four CD set for just $20 plus shipping. 
Log on to lifetalkradio.us or call us toll-free at 877-884-3111. Get your copy of today's message for just $5 or purchase the entire series, Tag a Friend, for only $30 plus shipping by logging on to lifetalkradio.us or calling us toll-free at 877-884-3111 for more information. For those of you who will help Life Talk reach America with God's Word, Jeff has written a beautiful booklet entitled, Let the Journey Continue, The Spirit-Filled Life. Let the Journey Continue is a beautifully designed companion booklet to our last month's offer, Let the Journey Begin. Let the Journey Continue explains in a simple, easy-to-read style what the Bible teaches about walking in the Spirit. This will surely be a helpful addition to your spiritual resources library. And Let the Journey Continue would make a great gift for that teen in the house, friend, co-worker, or spouse that might be struggling to understand how to live the Christian life in victory. Don't miss this beautifully illustrated little booklet for a gift of any size to helping Life Talk take God's Word to America. You've been listening to Life Talk with Dr. Jeff Wickwire. To find out more about Dr. Wickwire's ministry and Turning Point Church, visit us at lifetalkradio.us or call us toll-free at 877-884-3111. That's 877-884-3111. And as a reminder, Life Talk is a listener-supported ministry. We exist to bring God's Word to thousands of people in your area on this great station. So your prayers and financial support go a long way in helping us with this endeavor. Please prayerfully consider helping us. Thanks again for listening today, and we look forward to meeting with you once again on our next Life Talk broadcast.